up, everyone? Have a happy Thursday to you. Uh, we are coming at you live from the OBR. We've got uh, a new show we're trying out tonight. It's called Ask the OBR. I'm joined by Jake Burns tonight. Jake, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. Little tech difficulty. I can't get my camera to work, so I'm just a bubble tonight. But um, otherwise, I am uh, a little frustrated, but okay. Yeah, that that is the worst feeling in the world when you're on a deadline and the tech doesn't want to do what you want it to do. There's nothing worse. <laughs> Especially when there's no quick solution. Like, I'm sure we get off of this, I'll have an answer in the next yeah. 20 minutes, but I can't figure it out right now. We are out of time. So right. we will uh, roll with the status quo, which is probably a better looking version of me in OBR bubble. <laughs> I was going to say, we might just, maybe we should just go all bubbles for the future. Yes. That might be a marketing wise, that might be a smart move for us. Yeah, bubble bubble team for the OBR probably yeah. makes the most sense. Yeah. Bunch of radio faces out here. That's how it feels. Yeah. Um, I do, I do want to just do what Jake always does, uh, when we start the show, just to run down some of the great content that we've got on the OBR currently. Um, we have a few VIP articles today. We've got a great one from, uh, Anthony Reinhardt on, uh, three roster building, uh, nuggets that he gleaned from the 2021 season for the Browns. He gets into the running back room and, uh, gets into some of the draft picks that Andrew Barry was made and how many of those will come back. Uh, I, I did a roundup of uh, recent questions on Ask the Insiders, which is uh, pertinent to tonight. And uh, then we've got two good articles uh, over the last two days from our uh, Fred Greetham, who was at uh, Brown's OTAs yesterday. He's got one on John Johnson, and he's got another one on Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, so a lot of good stuff on there, as always, even though it's the offseason. Um, we're still in the, the juicy part of the offseason where the Browns are actually practicing and participating on on-field stuff. So Get over to the OBR and catch up on everything that you might have missed this week because, uh, you know, it's the summer and you don't have as much time to be dialed into the Browns as you maybe do in, in the fall. So, like I said up top, we're going to do a new show starting tonight and uh, every Thursday night for the foreseeable future where we're going to just take questions. Um, this is our first one, so questions are a little sparse on the ground, but we can also get them from Ask the Insiders, uh, our premium forum on the website. Uh, feel free to shout them out in the chat if you have questions you want us to answer tonight. Uh, do you want to just go ahead and dive right in, Jake? Yeah, I figure we might as well get several good questions, I think, lined up from different platforms. So let's do it. Yeah. So one of my uh, questions that I liked the most was an Ask the Insiders question uh, from a few days ago. And Corey Kinnon, um, our draft guy, took a swing at it in, in, in Ask the Insiders. But I thought it would be fun to discuss here. Um, who would you say is the best coach that the Browns have had since the return? Um, that is tricky. I mean, I, I still have a really high amount of belief in Stefanski. Like I, I, I do think he's extremely talented at what he does. I think we've seen one year where he got the most out of everybody. And then the second year, uh, I think we all know why it went the way it went for the most part. But if you're going to make an argument, <clears throat> results based argument, Butch has to be up there mm -hmm. having gotten them to the playoffs. And then, you know, I think I think Romeo was a little better than what his ultimate legacy ended up. So I would probably go Kevin, Butch, and then Romeo, something in that order. I could see some people try to argue for Mangini just because the rosters were so bad and trying to get something. I don't know. But I could be missing somebody, too. Is there anybody else? Well, I, I think, you know, if you want to broaden it out a little bit, I mean – Kyle Shanahan was here for a year, you know. Oh, uh, if, we're if we're not doing head coach, I mean, only, I, yeah. it's a kind of yeah. a, it's a tricky answer, but um, you know, I I think in terms of uh, that 2014 offense is probably the yeah. most fun I've had until Stefanski got here watching the Browns. So I would remember, I, I very very fondly remember, like not understanding totally, um, yeah, 
you know, I just not paying attention to the NFL that close back mm-hmm. then to mm-hmm. know what Shanahan was bringing. So I didn't have an idea of what offense they were running when that season opened. And then 100%. if I recall, that was the game where they stormed back after halftime against Pittsburgh, I believe. Right. And almost almost won that game, uh, that week one game. But I, I could be misremembering. But I think they scored like 28 second half points mm-hmm. and almost came back and beat Pittsburgh. And I was like, man, they have a really nice formula here. And that was like my intro to to really closely paying attention to wide zone systems was when Shanahan brought that to Cleveland. I know he was running that in in uh, Washington a little bit and all of those other things, but yeah, I mean it's uh, it, it was it was a, it was an eye opening experience that you could take the talent that Cleveland had and make something like that out of it. Yeah, and I think I mean I you know I think Mike Fenton deserves a little bit of shine. I mean you know they, I don't know how talented those teams were. And I think he, he was an okay head coach. I don't think he was, certainly wasn't the worst. And so that's the flip side of this coin. And the question and ask the insiders is who is the worst guys for me? I think it's Rob Chudzinski. Uh, but, but then there's Freddie kitchens. So it's, it's a real one, two there. Boy. And you're leaving, leaving out Hugh. I, I mean, I would, yeah, no, you're right. I, you're right. I would, I would put Hugh the way Hugh was. I mean, we didn't even get to know Chud. Like yeah. that, that was so yeah, fast. We didn't even unfair. get to know him. I think Hugh, the way that guy was conniving mm-hmm. and blame on everyone else other than himself, it's definitely between like Freddie was an inept. I just think for let me put it this way. I don't think I'm trying to phrase this the right way. Freddie getting an NFL head coaching job is is one of the biggest upsets in the last mm-hmm. 30 years of the NFL. I, I still I still cannot believe it having then seen what Freddie was like and knowing what we know now kind of thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's so hard to fathom that they actually gave him a head coaching job, but Hugh was just, I don't even know how to put it into words. I mean, the way he manipulated people, the way he blamed other people, the way, I mean, just ripped He set the franchise back and and they were already setting themselves back organically, but the way he set them back was just so, it's hard to top. The, the the real the real for lack of a better term shittiness of Hugh Jackson I, I, it's, no, I, just, it's hard to top that the the great thing about that question who's the worst Browns head coach since return is there is not a not a wrong answer you know they've had a lot of bad head coaches so you got a lot of nice choices there um and then the the other part of this question it was like a four part question I'm gonna just pick the parts that I like um the the other part was who who do you think the best guy was i think he, he was asking this question after cornell retired and so that seems like the answer right romeo cornell seems like a hell of a guy i'll tell you what too and I, romeo yeah i mean he seems like a hell of a guy i mean i think freddie's a hell of a guy too i think freddie's yeah. a guy who you would want to have a beer with and talk For sure with, like at least one football yeah. with yeah like people love freddie kitchens but mm-hmm. most people with a sane head on their shoulders are like, yeah, he's just, you know, he's just, he's just not meant to be a head coach. Right. Like he just, you have that makeup or you don't, and he did not. And he somehow uh, finagled his way into that role. So, I, I mean, I'd put Freddie up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would definitely put, like you said, Romeo up there. Uh, people loved Romeo. Um, trying to think if we're missing anybody else. There's I mean, Chris, this, there's Chris that, Palmer got a, yeah. I mean, got a real raw deal. I don't know. I, that's he, people kind loved of before him, my man. time, but yeah, he, he seemed well liked. Yeah. Yeah. People, people really loved him too. for sure. So yeah. um, again, as far as those types of guys, either bad coaches or just good guys that didn't mm-hmm. work out, they got a yeah. lot of potential for that one. It's harder to yeah. pinpoint like who's the best coach they've had. Cause it's not, there's just not many to talk yeah. about. 
Yeah. So I, I think in a lot of ways, this, this third year for Stefanski is kind of going to be the decider, right? If he can, especially with what they're facing this year, if he can put, put this together and somehow they make it to the playoffs, uh, you know, with the uphill battle they're looking at this season with the suspension and everything, you know, I think yeah. that could, that would, if he was two playoff trips in, in three years, I think that's probably your guy. No, there's no doubt. And, and, and I, I'm a believer that Kevin's already right there, but like, this is a wildly important, probably not talked about enough, a wildly important season for Kevin in general, because the way that things shook out last year and, and, and him getting so much of the unnecessary Mayfield blame that yep. like, yep. I just, with the, with the Watson thing hanging over them now, I think Kevin's a great coach and I have this per- perpetuating fear that that he's going to get run out of Cleveland. And this is just me being negative in, in June. I, I'm sorry. It's sometimes the way I'm wired, but you know, I see so many of these terrible takes about his play calling and all of this stuff. And it's like, it's like, um, I just have this fear that he's going to get fired and he's going to get another job and he's going to just become one of the better head coaches we've ever seen do it. And um, I, cause I, I really think he's very talented. I think, I think the way he goes about it is, extremely cunning and i i just i just believe in his approach and the way he works with players and all of that stuff very even keeled so mm-hmm. that's just my opinion it could be wrong but um this season in the in the in the what i said in my podcast yesterday is that this this decision with watson and, and all that has come with it now is the single most galvanizing thing in the last 20 years like it yep. is it is one and I did, I think this is kind of crazy. Like mm-hmm. it is, it is one B to moving the franchise as one A. Like I really mm-hmm. think that's what it's turned into here. Is that it is, um, it is one B to to like I I really the way it's run off fans, we may never see something this crazy again. And I know, and you can you can people who lived through ninety four and ninety five and all that. I get it. You're probably laughing at me, but this is this is up there. It's not it's not the same as losing your team, but a lot of people feel really differently about the Browns right now. So, um, yeah, I just, I just think that 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 this year for Kevin, because of the environment that that has created, is pretty damn important, man. It's pretty important. Yep. yep. Yeah, I, I think you, you, I just recently listened to your interview with uh, the the Colts guy whose name is escaping me at the moment, but was talking talking Brissett, and I think the, you know, the argument that you maybe get a lot of what they got last year with Mayfield, but with a better leader, you know, is, I mean, if they, if that's the quarterback we see for the majority of the season, um, you know, if, if that's a team that overperforms, you know, to, to the expectations that you would have for a team with Brissett at quarterback, that could be, you know, I mean, he may, he won coach of the year his first year, but I think that would maybe be his most impressive coaching job so far. I would totally agree. If they were to muster a playoff appearance out of a prolonged Watson suspension and having Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, it's there's no, no doubt about that. Okay. Um, let's, let's do a little bit more of like an X's and O's question that we had that, um, John Stephenson brought to my attention is another ask the insiders question. Uh, the question is, can we expect to see more passes in the middle third of the field in the Watson era Mayfield for whatever reason, just didn't go there. Uh, we watched other teams, tight ends, move the sticks on us. Will we continue? Will it continue to be a black hole for the Browns offense? Well, the short and intermediate stuff he didn't like. I mean, he right. tried to push the ball down the seams and 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 down the field because he could, he could let passing lanes develop and all of that stuff. I do, I do. To answer the question, yes, I think that is going to happen. Um, m- maybe not uh, bigger, taller, giant Allen 
Brady type quarterback style because Deshaun is bigger than Mayfield, obviously, uh, and mm-hmm. so is so is Jacoby. Um, but they're not, you know, Deshaun's not huge necessarily. So I, I do, I do think that, that that you'll see them use that part of the field more. He's more comfortable with it. He can get out uh, laterally or vertically uh, out of the pocket to to uh, to make those things happen too. So I think the simple answer to that question is yes. It unlocks portions of the field. They would not have traded for this guy if they didn't think that it did unlock every inch of the fifty-three and a third uh, lateral parts of the field. So I would expect that. Um, I would, I would, I would definitely expect that to be a, a higher target area for what they want to do, both on the move and in the pocket. And I think he'll, 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 he'll fill the bill there uh, if, if, if we ever get there. It feels like it's so far away. Right. But yeah. He, right. he will, he will use those portions of the field a bit more for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of realizing as we're going through these that we're having to talk about things in such a conditional tense. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, are, is it, you know, are we talking about Watson opening up the field? Are we talking about Brissett opening up the middle of the field? Are we, you know, uh, how, you know, are we talking about the, the coach being a good coach because, you know, the, the guy that they traded to be for to be the franchise quarterback isn't maybe going to be on the field. Uh, you know, um, it makes, it makes answering these questions harder. I didn't really anticipate that. Um, I think it makes for a really unfortunate environment all around. I mean, it's kind of yeah. like, it's kind it's almost, you know, I'm sure you experience this the way I do as well, where you know, all you it's all you talk about. It's all you think about. Yes. It's all yeah. you, your friends or Browns fans. They want to talk about it because they don't talk about it all day or write about it or anything. Sure. And they want to they want to talk about it. And I get it. But it's just like eventually it just is just just come to some sort of resolution with this because it's taxing for everybody involved. And it's almost mm-hmm. like mini PTSD, you know, like yeah. it's got that weird effect to it. So. Yeah. Um, where you just, I just don't want to talk about this anymore with this guy. So, so hopefully it, it works itself out in some form or fashion, uh, mm-hmm. for, for the best of everybody involved and everyone can, can sort of move on. But yeah, I mean, we are definitely continuing to talk about Jacoby Brissett. I had somebody ask me the other day, Andrew, like, Hey, what are the practice reps split? Like, like how mm-hmm. many reps is Brissett getting? I don't, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I've been told that it's like a two and two split right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because you you really you do have because if it's an eight game to ten to twelve to potentially yeah. more, I mean you have yeah. to have this guy prepared and you have to put things in that you are comfortable with them running. So mm-hmm. yeah, man, it's just it's so many conditional things we're talking about here, which in June and July is not necessarily what you want. You want to talk about the definite things, right? Right. The definite things about your franchise coming up and you just don't really know. It's hard to predict outcomes. It's hard to predict stat lines. It's hard to predict every single thing here. Um, the yep. things that we like to do this time of year. So that part again is like, like boo hoo. I get it, but it just sucks. It's, it <laughs> yeah. sucks. So but yeah, and it just makes, it makes this thing that we do a little harder, right? Because you're, you're having to guess a little bit and you're having to couch everything with a maybe, you know, or a, in this case or in that case, you know, mm-hmm. um, the other thing, speaking speaking to your point, the other thing that I, I know Zach uh, mentioned on that podcast of yours is uh, uh, that this would be the if if they find out about the suspension in the next month or so, which we're expecting, um, this would be the most notice that uh, Brissett has had going into the season as a starter, which is wild to think about. But you know, it it it'll help if he gets all the training camp. Can't hurt. Can't right. hurt. Right. So yeah. he unexpectedly starts 2017 when Andrew Luck gets hurt. 
Then he unexpectedly starts 2019 when Luck walks up to the podium and retires out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Both of those are completely unexpected. 2019, a little better for him because he'd been in the franchise and was playing and um, had been around the culture, the playbook, all of that stuff that matters, right? So that part of it is nice for him. But 2017, it was just right after he was traded there, um, right. you know, from right. New England. So this is different. He should have a better picture going into the season, but still another thing where he was signed to be a backup and is being like, Hey man, you, yeah. and, and listen, they could have had conversations with Jacoby and Jacoby could have known like very well off here. Hey, we want to sign you because we think we're going to have some games for you to start this year. That could be right. a reason he ultimately chose Cleveland was that he knew he'd have some games to start this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine he is not oblivious and the Browns are not oblivious to what is coming. Even when they made the decision to go get Deshaun. To, right. to, to make that move that something was going to happen. So the preparation should be going on right now. Mm-hmm. And um, to answer your question, uh, Mr. Katapko, there is uh, no film out there of Brissett right now. I, I've been kind of waiting around about what's going to happen with these two quarterbacks. I will get to Jacoby this month, probably um, probably later this week, could have something on him as well. But, yeah, we got to get to both of these guys, and I will. I promise. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, it was the day after they made the Watson trade that Brissett signed. So it felt very much like two moves that were, you know, from the beginning they conceived of as one move, you know. And so uh, with that in mind, you have to, I think what you said is dead on. They they have to have some expectation that even from, you know, March 20th or whatever, that, that he's going to be starting some games. And, you know, I, I, that's the, the only question as always is is how many, you know, and, and then what does it look like, you know, when he's out there and then what does it look like uh, once Watson's back? Cause that's a question too. It, it is the offense will, the, the, the thing that we were talking about yesterday and I was talking about this with Marcus Harvey, who made a nice point is if they use Brissett to sort of um, Brissett and Dobbs, because it's pretty, it's pretty rare um, that a situation arrives where, you know, you go out and sign a third quarterback too, like that. Usually you just get a Kyle Aletta or a, practice arm and that's Mm -hmm. your guy but like they went out and actively signed josh dobbs so like do they use josh dobbs to recreate some of the things in this offense they think uh they think deshaun is going to do right so that's Mm -hmm. an element of something they could potentially be cooking up as well uh, is is creating this offense and we want to have this offense and we want to have it ready and we want to do some of the mobile things that we think jacoby is too limited as an athlete to do we would like to have Josh available if we want to do some of these fun run game wrinkles. So uh, that's that's something that could be uh, seen this year if they go into the long suspension abyss that is potentially out there. Yeah, and and so I think maybe we'll pivot away from the quarterback talk at that point because I think we covered what we can cover. And, um, you know, uh, there are a lot of questions in Ask the Insiders uh, about the Watson suspension. And, you know, I don't I want to acknowledge that they're out there. I don't feel like either of us are really in a position to answer questions about the length of the suspension or nobody is. We exactly, nobody exactly. knows, man. Exactly. Nobody yeah. knows. So yeah it's, not, yeah, it's not like I'm uniquely unqualified. Everybody's kind of guessing. Right? <laughs> it yeah. is. I mean, you can do the read Roger Goodell quotes and you can do the right. I think this you, I can read the sports book gambling odds and right. have fun, man. But I'm not I'm not even until it's announced i'm just not going to speculate on it i'm going to say this is what you should be doing is is planning on 12 or more games like i'm mm-hmm. planning on a serious suspension mm-hmm. just as a means of planning for what the browns are going to be this year and uh what they're ultimately going to look like and 
that is uh that is that's where I'm sitting. And I think if you're sitting here oh four games or something, something like I think that's just yeah. a ton of wishful thinking. So I'd plan on it being lengthy and just know that it's it's pretty damn likely to happen before the season starts. Yep. Okay. So uh, looking at the comments uh, from Twitch tonight, um, the biggest question that people have is uh, what's going on with Jake and why isn't he on camera? So we'll just address that again. A little bit of technical difficulties on Jake's end. Somebody speculated that maybe you shaved your beard and we're not sure about how that was going to play out. (laughs) Uh, so that's that really in terms of uh, viewer engagement, that's the main thing that's driving engagement at this point. So like we said at the top, um, you know, bubbles might be the, the answer for us going forward. Bubbles. Yep. I, I couldn't agree more. It's just, it's best for everybody involved yeah. to see them, yeah. the, the sound jumping around the bubble. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's still a motion element. It's, it's yeah. moving. It's just yeah. not moving, you know, like a mouth necessarily. It's like a, like a sort of a floating orb of wisdom. That's how I yeah. would describe it. I think that's pretty fair. It's okay. uh it's it's StreamYard is really weird. It doesn't work on some platforms. I don't know if you guys know this, but it doesn't work on many things other than Google, uh sorry, yeah, other than Chrome here. Uh mm-hmm. so essentially if it if it has an issue, it's not like I can jump. I don't have any other browser c- capable and it's saying that I had something else open that I couldn't get to the camera so i'm not we're not gonna waste any time with it we're gonna we're just gonna jump into the show and that's what we did and and i'm an orb so deal with yep. it yeah, like I, said, I think it makes you look smart so yeah you know. thanks yeah, i need the help absolutely. there <laughs> all right so another question uh from ask the insiders which i think is a is a good one is alex mack a hall of famer this so i've actually talked about this a little bit on the pod too the center realm is hard to crack like there are not very many centers in the hall of fame, just true centers in the mm-hmm. modern day. I think there was a center that who's that old jet center. Was it Mawai? Yeah. Uh, sure. He, he went in as, a, but there have not been a ton of centers. It's not like that has, has cracked open uh, like crazy. So I, I think he's on the outside looking in, but a hell of a career. I mean, just a hell of a career, a great football player who got better. Even after leaving Cleveland, he was great in Cleveland and got better. And, I would. I mean, if this was uh, if this was a little more expansive of a Hall of Fame, I think he could get in. But yep. it's hard to see him getting in uh, unless they unless they kind of want to reshape how the center stuff works, which I'm into. But um, just just don't think he's going to get in. It feels like he needed more uh, to be more on more successful teams. Frankly, um, yeah. you know, like a, a, I mean, he, he had that one obviously the Super Bowl loss to the Patriots, but. Uh, you know, for the most part, he was on teams that uh, that were not great, and so it's hard. I think generally, as a as a you know an under the radar player, let's say as a lineman on either side of the ball, to get notoriety, unless you're on a team that does great things, you know, sort of season after season. I think that's largely why Dermonte Dawson made it in, right? He was on those mm-hmm. Steelers teams, which could you know kick everybody's ass week in week out. You know, um, I I mean, talking about 2014. Uh, you know, I think it's sort of commonly held belief that if he hadn't broke his leg, you know, that season would have turned out very differently, um, which, you know, I think is, is one of the one of the bigger what ifs in, in recent Browns history. Um, the, uh, you know, the maybe they also started Johnny Menzel. So, well, uh, sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. which, and that's true. Yeah. That's I, let's not forget I, that. He was he's, he was a great player. But at the end of the day, he was just a center. <laughs> and it's like, right. no, you're right. Uh, yep. It's yeah, it's hard to himself. Yeah, that's hard. I I get it. We all wanted that team, and I'm not doing this to you. That's not this. You're, no, what, I, you're I, say, I, yeah. what you're saying is out there, and it's always been out there. And I've always yeah. kind of been like, 
Okay, um, mm-hmm. sure, but who was who was <laughs> fixing the massive issues Hoyer was having? Right, and who was gonna throw yeah. the football uh, yeah. when because uh, when Johnny came in, it was just embarrassed. It was terrible. So yeah, yeah. I mean, was, we could t- we could say that though. Yeah, they're totally totally gonna go to the playoffs if Mac didn't get hurt. Yeah, I'm into well, it. Well, I, I yeah, no, I I mean, I I, I think it's it's definitely that sort of uh, you know wishful thinking of hindsight of like if everything was always perfect, no, the Browns would always be good. You know. Uh, <laughs> But, that sucked, man. They were seven and four, and we were I, all. I mean, that yeah. that there was it a Thursday yeah. night game that they had come off of there in Cincinnati, they, and they, yeah, they beat the Bengals, and it felt like yeah. they're finally a good team, and then it yeah. just the wheels fell off. Yeah, wheels fell off. Yeah, I, and I think that's you know you see that sometimes with that uh, you know with the wide zone scheme, you know, it kind of starts out whipping everybody's ass, and then mid season people start to adjust on stuff, and it's the adjustment to the adjustment thing, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, and I think obviously losing a center doesn't help, but yeah, the, the team had more serious issues than that. Yeah, and, broken, uh, broken down. I mean, they they did as well as they could with a lot of skill they had, and yeah. um, it just ran its course, man. And then yeah. you you know the the quarterback play, if it got a little better from Hoyer, mm-hmm. it could have could have worked, but uh, the Johnny thing was just an abject disaster. So not not not, not really ever. I didn't. It's just hard to see that. Ever working yeah. out. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It just occurred to me how well the Manziel decision and the Watson decision would work as bookends if you were talking about the, you know, the terrible quarterback decisions. Potentially. I'm not saying we're there yet, but, you know, if in five years looking back, that could potentially be, you know, the beginning and the end of the Haslam chapter or whatever. Could be. That's actually a good. It's a good way to put it. I mean, a lot of people are doing the doomsday thing. I mean, yeah. No, I, and I'm not. Yeah, I just. I, I know I, you're. Yeah. I know you're not. I'm just saying. Yeah. There's these people out there that want to make this about doomsday right now. And to your right. point, it's too early. It's it's. Yeah. It's just people wanting the Watson thing to fail, which I am fine with. You can want the Watson thing to fail. Sure. I totally get it. I just think it's funny that, on top of that, people will try to lump in this Baker Mayfield thing, and it's like. Right. They didn't care about him, man, and they didn't care about him whether they got Watson or not. I, I mm-hmm. there's no evidence to the contrary. You know, you can talk about they were going to go talk to him and in, in Texas and all that. It just was never, it was never, ever, 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 ever going to work. So, you know, quit trying to hunt down some retweets because that's that's just just you kind of looking silly at this point. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, there's there's definitely a pathology in Brown's fandom to want to be persecuted. And, and uh, that's for getting a real 
real uh, renaissance these last few weeks. Uh, you know, Good a time. lot of people, a lot of people just want to be out there being sad for themselves, which I mean, yeah, like you said, I get it. Uh, and there are legitimate things to be upset about here, but, uh, you know, I mean, to me, this doesn't, it's not, this isn't anything like the drive. This is a different sort of, this is a different sort of bad, you know? And, uh, with the Watson thing too, it's like, maybe let's see the bad actually come to fruition here. Sure. You know? Absolutely. Like, yeah. No, you want to see it for sure. Yeah. There are people who are just like firing off tweets or right. posting these clips from their TV show. It's like, Hey man, let's, let's let it either him settle. And then you can come after him when they settle and a suspension happens. Like, just let it play out, man. Let let it let it let it play out, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think even into the season, right? I mean, let's see. You know, it, like you said, if it's twelve games, let's see how Jacoby Brissett looks. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not. My hopes aren't as high, but you know, the, he has operated an NFL offense before, and the Browns have a pretty quarterback friendly offense. So let's you he's know, gonna, let's see what happens. He's going to have every chance, man. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. So we'll uh, believe that. So a broader question that, that this Alex Mack question is making me think is like, do you have general thoughts on the hall of fame? Like uh, the size of it? Do you, do you want like a big hall of fame with like uh, wings for every position or do you like it? Is the hall of fame, like the best of the best of the best, like the two best centers maybe to ever play the game. Yeah, I think, well, I don't, I don't think it needs to be that rigid, but I do think it needs to be a challenge to get into. Like, I think the NBA walks, I think there's two examples. I think that baseball makes it too difficult mm-hmm. in terms of there are guys to me who are clearly hall of famers who are still floating around and some don't even get in. Right. And then basketball, it seems like they just admit everybody. And yeah. it, it, to me, I think football has done a decent job of this where most of the people who end up being in the hall of fame in football are deserving candidates. There's some that you can pinpoint. I mean, I think a great one is clay Matthews is like a perfect example where if he was, if this was basketball, he'd be in. If if it were baseball, he may not even be on the ballot, or or he'd just be laughed off part of the ballot. But in football, he was he was close, but he he was just not quite good enough to get into the Hall of Fame. So you know, I, I, you don't want it to be the Hall of really good. I think they do a nice job of balancing that. I agree. Uh, one one idea that I've heard that I think makes some sense is. At a certain point, once you've established your Hall of Fame, do you then have to vote people out to vote new people in? You know, does is there some people that they were good, but now they've been, you know, uh, they've been sort of surpassed by by newer players, and so you know maybe they no longer belong in the Hall of Fame. I, I, I mean, it would make the elections more interesting if nothing else, right? Yeah. Plus, I mean, a hundred years from now, we're just going to keep growing the Hall of Fame. Right. Like, right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, we have. Uh, a few questions in chat i want to make sure we grab um we had uh mr katapka asked what second year player are you the most excited for it's it's great newsome i mean mm-hmm. i think we have a pretty good feel for what jok is uh, i mean uh, you could i mean you could pick jok too he's fantastic but i think newsome is uh potentially going to to really launch himself plus he's he's talking about slash is playing a new role uh, he played some slot last year, so it's not totally new, but he's taken on a lot more responsibility in the slot. We obviously know how talented he is as an outside corner. There's potential for this guy to really crack a top 10 corner list after next year. There's a lot of moving parts here, but I just think he's got a, a really high ceiling and I'm very excited to see where he's going. I, I feel like JOK has given me enough to, to show me where he's going. As long as his body holds up, he's, mm-hmm. he's again in a, a difficult position for a guy with a small body. So 
that plays into it. But yeah, I mean, um, I just think Newsom has a chance to really, 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 really launch himself this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just as a as more of a fan, I'm excited just to watch. I watching JOK is, you know, as as somebody that doesn't really get into the film as much, has not pre- previously, you know, understood scheme as much. Just finding him before the play and then just seeing what he does has that worked really well last year when he was mm-hmm. on the field. And so, you know, just getting to do that again this fall is going to be a lot of fun because he, you know, he moves. He's got that thing that some football players do where he's just moving at a different speed at times. And it draws your eye, frankly, you know, he is, um, he is quite twitchy is the word yeah, they use. There, he yeah, plays, he plays yeah. at a, he plays at a different pace that, that plays with his hair on fire. Right. Yeah. That's another one. Yeah. Which, okay. Would you play faster if your hair was on fire? <laughs> I've always wondered about that one. You know, always yeah, there's, there's a sense of urgency for sure, but I don't, you know, the helmet, <laughs> you would think the helmet would work as sort of a fire suppression. Too. I don't know. I'm, I'm no fire guy. Uh, Another question uh, from the chat, uh, Kevo680, uh, have any UDFAs stood out at OTAs? And I'm trying to cast my mind to what Fred has told us. I think he, and somebody in chat mentioned uh, Isaiah Weston, I think is a name that I've heard. Have you heard about anybody else? So this is why the OBR pays me. I do not know the answer to that. And I don't okay. think anybody covering the team yeah. knows the answer to that right now. Uh, they're not in pads. They're not in uh, anything truly, truly meaningful. And we're also not privy enough to, uh, the practices that would give us an idea for this. So that is a, a massive TBD and mm-hmm. we will, we will be paying close attention to that when training camp gets here. Uh, cause all those guys will get ample shot in training camp. Uh, but for now it's, I mean, I've se- I saw a nice one-handed Isaiah Weston catch and, 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 you know, but other than that, man, you're not, you're yeah. not, Anybody telling you that they got an idea on that is is uh, either talking to a coach or completely making it up because there right, is no yeah. great idea right now. <laughs> talking to a coach or pretending to talk to a coach. Right. Uh, I did see uh, Cam Justice yesterday had a tweet uh, with a, a really nice picture of Silas Kelly's hair. So, you know, uh, got that not, going for him. Yeah, he was he was technically on the football field with his helmet off, so I think that counts. Uh, so that made an impression. So it, it's a loose definition of the word impression, but. Um, yeah, he's definitely got a big, big head of hair. Um, another question from ask the insiders, uh, and this is one that's come up from time to time. You probably have talked about it a bunch, Jake. Uh, but, uh, this is a recently was asked again. Um, why not move Joel Batonio to left tackle and Jed Wills back to right tackle? Why don't we just give Jed some time? You know, like Mm -hmm. everyone wants to, he had a really strong rookie year, not great, but strong. He was beat up last year, but still put on tape enough things for me to see where he's going with this whole thing. So I'm, I'm completely, I'm completely fine with it, man. Like I, I have no reason to move Jed off of left tackle yet. Now this year, if he's terrible, like, okay, we could have that discussion and try to figure out how they salvage it. But for me, like right now, I I don't get this urge to move off of Jed at left tackle. Maybe they end up ultimately doing it when, Jack Conklin's contract and time here is done. But for now it's like, let's just let it ride. And um, I I think Jed is good enough at left tackle and and it's still a valuable position, obviously. Mm -hmm. So um, I have no issue with, with, uh, with letting that, letting that whole thing ride, man. I I don't see a big urgency. I don't think that just shifting Jed to right tackle is going to make him some all pro either. Like he's now multiple years removed from doing that too. So it could be something they do. I, I don't. I don't know. But for now, it's like hey, let's just let's just continue the status quo. There's no 
reason to to take away what they're doing. And I don't think Jed has been this just god awful football player that makes you have to do that. I don't right. think that's the, a thing here at all. Yeah, no, he's he's been league average, is my impression. And you know, I wondered to a certain extent if if a league average tackle in Cleveland just isn't good enough after having Joe Thomas for so long. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, he he can be. He has the traits and athleticism to be better than that if he just mm-hmm. fixes minor things. And those things that he has to fix are not unfixable things. There's some things you can't fix. You can't fix core strength. You can't fix how a guy plays with center of gravity. You can't fix speed issues, right? But you can you can fix finishing plays. You can fix little minor nuance uh, nuance based things with with hand placement and timing of punch, like those things you can fix. So I, I am, I am more than okay. I am happy to have Jed at left tackle. And again, if he takes a step back this year, we can change the course of that discussion, but I don't see that happening. So I, mm-hmm. I think it's, he's going to be more than fine there. And, and um, we're just creating an issue in my opinion. Now, if they want to go and pick a guy in the second round as a tackle next year, who's maybe super comfortable only at left tackle in your opinion. And, Mm-hmm. Jed's comfortable going back to the right side and all of that shakes out. That's fine. But for now with Conklin here for another year, he's back, uh, seems to be on the right path to be back healthy. I, I just, it just is unnecessary to me. I, I am, I am quite all right with Jed doing what Jed is doing. Agreed. So then there was a, there's a little addendum to that question, which is then in the, in the, in the uh, case that say Will's got hurt again, would then making would then kicking Batonio out and bringing like Dunn in make more sense than going back to Hudson? It depends on how comfortable they are with Hudson, how how he's right. progressed, how he's how his off season went. I am I am okay with with Hudson. I've written about it. I think he's going to be a nice player. I, I think mm-hmm. he's a to me a very 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 logical right tackle step in for Jack when he's done in Cleveland. So. Um, but I also know that Joel can handle it. We, he showed it last year that he can do that. So yeah. I am okay with either route there. Um, I, I would prefer never really totally prefer to move uh, Joel outside as he gets older. But if he can do it and he showed he's got the ability to do it in uh, sticky predicaments, then, yeah, I mean, that's a nice mm-hmm. thing to have. But just just me, I'm okay with uh, – I'm okay with – the situation um, of Hudson stepping in and playing that. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, 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 it, to me, it feels like they, you know, have a longer term development plan for all of these guys that, you know, in the, in the event of an injury, you know, rather than starting to shuffle everybody's position around, they want to just kind of like move their second guy up the depth chart. And so, you know, yeah. I, I think there's a little bit in, in these sorts of questions, there's a little bit of that thing, you know, it's not as easy as it is in Madden to just move Betonio over from left guard to left tackle and, you know, see that 90 whatever rating, you know, dip like two points. It's not like that. You know, it's a it's a different thing. And it's easier to practice next to a guy that you've practiced next to before in the same spot rather than everybody moving positions. So I, I couldn't agree more. Real life football is often mentally manipulated to be this video game or pro football focus grade thing that you think it is. It's not like right. that, man. There's so much more to it. <laughs> on the uh, uh, real football isn't Madden tip. Uh, would you want to add Julio Jones to the wide receiver room? That's a good question. I am. I'm not into it as we sit here, but I also could see why you would be into it. I mean, I, I, I think he's, he's clearly not who he ever was even just two years ago. I totally get that sentiment. 
I, I, if you worked him out though, and you really liked what you saw him from him when you worked him out, I would not have some big issue with him being, um, you know, being signed here, but other people could have other opinions. The data is not strong the past few years. It could stunt Donovan people's Jones growth. I, I, there's a lot of things I get, but I think working him out and seeing what he, he looks like and is running like where he's at mentally is not the worst idea in the world. Almost sort of similar to what they did with Des Bryant a few years ago, if I recall. Mm-hmm. So like, yep. I don't, I don't, th- I think that they were interested in Des was a little more serious than what I'm insinuating here, but like they, they should getting a gauge of where he is would not be the worst thing. Cause if you could get a decent end of career season out of him and mm-hmm. sort of bridge some things that wouldn't be, it wouldn't be terrible, but I don't expect that to happen. So, yeah, you know, there it I is. Mean- Amari Cooper and Julio Jones is a great wide receiver room in like 2015, 16, something like that. You probably even go into 17, 17, uh, yeah. being honest, but yeah, mm-hmm. that, that is a, uh, yeah, that's a, that's unfortunately now become not that Amari's not going to be. Fine, no, I, yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a blast from the past, which is kind of crazy to say that now that Julio mm-hmm. is, is no longer the Julio we knew for all those years. Right. Yeah. And those, it happens fast at those positions. You know, once the speed goes, you, you lose a lot unless you've always been playing without it. You know, um, it, it's once it goes, you, you miss it, you know? Yeah. What's the phrase there? It's slowly and then slowly. And then all at once, right. Mm-hmm. It happens slowly. And then all at right. once. And that's what it seems like it is with the NFL. It's like you wake up one day, you're out there and then it's like, Oh, okay. This guy can't really do it anymore. <laughs> so it just, it happens, uh, right. It, it almost like, uh, brush getting brushed in the crowd right it just wishes right by you and you don't even notice it it's not right. like some big you you this big moment where you're like okay i know it's just oh i watched that snap and you can see that that guy can't quite get there anymore on that reach blocker he can't quite make that cut to get separation he used to and mm-hmm. um it just it, it happens out of nowhere man yeah it happens to all of us too i can't get there on a reach block anymore either it's no i can't even <laughs> i can't even throw 30 yards anymore you know so yeah I'm with it. Uh, okay, from from chat, Mr. Katopka again. Another great question. What's a must-read football book you guys would suggest? Must-read football book. Um, yeah. I have one locked and loaded. If you want to take go, a go, go ahead. Okay, uh, and I hope I don't steal yours. But uh, mm-hmm. Terry Pluto's book on the return of the Browns, False Start, is really really good to read. Um, it's infuriating because of the story that it tells, and I think you know, uh, especially for maybe a younger generation of fans. It's not a story that people know well, but how far behind the eight ball, the Browns were uh, put by the NFL um, and, and the way that the, the team was brought back into the league, uh, put the Browns at the disadvantage that made them into the laughing stock that they were for the first, however many years of the franchise. I mean, a lot of those decisions were also, you know, owner based and front office based, but it, you know, it started off on a very wrong foot and Terry Pluto does a great job in that book of documenting exactly how that process was flawed. Um, so it's a good book and it's worth reading to understand, you know, uh, we ought not just to be mad at Art Modell. I mean, he deserves, you know, an, uh, you know, an, a never ceasing level of scorn for what he did to the city, but also the NFL uh, mistreated the Browns when they gave us the expansion franchise when they did. Yeah, that's... um that's that's a really good one. That, that I think that misconception about how the way the Panthers and the way the Jaguars came into the NFL and found immediate success, people do not understand how that dictated 
and changed so many things about how the Browns got hosed, man. They, I mean, yep. it just, it just did. Um, one that you should really read if you, if you're interested and you're a football historian, um, it's, it's behind me. Unfortunately, my camera is on, it's called, <laughs> it's called America's game, uh, by Michael McCambridge. It's, it's, um, a really good book about how football became the football that we recognize today and how it, mm-hmm. how it took off and gained popularity in this country. And, um, Really, 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 really worth it uh, in terms of understanding how this thing evolved into the thing that we know it today. So that's one. So you covered the Browns. I covered a league-wide one. Um, there's there's a lot of good. I mean, the winning edge from Bill Walsh is really good. Mm-hmm. There's there's so many. There's so many really, really good ones. Yeah, there's that um, great book by Pat Kerwin, Take Your Eye Off the Ball. Yeah. Uh, that gets recommended. People ask the question, how do you learn to watch film? How do you learn to break down the game, you know, from a schematic standpoint, rather than watching it as a fan. And that's always the book that gets uh, brought up in those sorts of circumstances. Take your eye off the ball. But I, I actually have not read that one. I probably should. The Education of a Coach, too, by David Halberstam is really good. That was in oh, like sure. the, mid, the mid-2000s, I think mm-hmm. that one came out. Halberstam is really good. So, Oh, man, I just, I just thought of another one that uh, I'm going to do this on air, so it's going to be a little bit – say something, Jake. Say, what, what, you got another one? Yeah, it's from Nate Jackson. He used to be a wide receiver. Remember him? He used to play for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book, and I'm just looking up the name right now. Uh, it is called Slow Getting Up, a story of NFL survival from the bottom of the pile. came out in 2013, and uh, it is very good. Very, very written from the player perspective, what he kind of went through as a guy that mm-hmm. was you know, not a star ever and was kind of hanging on. And actually got a cup of coffee with the Browns uh, before the 09 season. Um, so, yeah, that's a, gr- that's a great one to understand, you know, kind of what the modern NFL looks like to a player. Paul said that he put it in the chat. Okay, so. thanks, Paul. I, thanks, Paul. I, I missed that because I was looking on my computer for the name of it. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> All right, good stuff, man. What do we got? Any more? Is this, a, is this our inaugural I, uh, finish? I think we're wrapping up. We can we can do one more because I have one more written down that I thought was worth discussing. And I, I know you've discussed it to death, but I'm going to make you say it one more time. Um, the Dearness Johnson contract and the question of how many running backs they will carry this season. You want to just talk about that for like two minutes and we'll get out of here? Um, sure. I, I, I continue to think that they have two people that they're willing to trade in Kareem and Dearness if a team is willing to come get them mm-hmm. um, in this situation. I also think it's in the realm of possibility that they could keep four of these guys and then have dear have have Felton be a, an in between still not keep a fullback and just run the hell out of the ball this year and just say hey you know we we like Jacoby but we're just going to run the hell out of it and we know that that comes with durability concerns and we're going to shuffle these guys in and out they could get crazy like that and I would respect that decision with the talent they'd have in the running back room Mm-hmm. I think they keep the four. They, they think Johnson ends up um, ultimately being traded to somebody who needs that player in camp. Um, so uh, one of the two gets traded. I would predict that Johnson ends up being the guy to get traded, and then they ultimately keep keep four. I don't think a fullback gets kept this year. Uh, as my, uh, I just think it's a waste of a position. They don't use it. They don't use it enough to justify it. They didn't use Janovich enough. And um, I don't see a reason. I I like Johnny Stanton plenty as a person. He's a great guy, Mm. but I just don't see the value of it. So I think they keep four. Could they keep five even without a fullback? Of course, because they might not keep a fourth tight end. So there's a little 
wiggle room there. And it's just, it's, it's really not the, <laughs> it's so talked about. And I know it's because we, we just don't have many things to talk about these days. Mm-hmm. This, this discussion that we will spend so much time on in several other positions will mean absolutely nothing to the bottom line of this year. It's just a talking exactly. point. But um, I do think uh, that, that if they, if they get dealt a massive suspension that uh, they could be like, Hey man, we're going to keep five running backs and we're going to run the ball like mad, just run yep. it until we can't run it anymore. And yep. um, you need, you need a bunch of healthy bodies to do that. So that could be a route that they go to. So they, the thought is we have a bunch of talent that we can use though. If we want to continue to build back picks that we have lost via this trade, we have ammunition with Kareem and Dearness to make a move. If somebody is in a sticky situation, come, the, the middle or uh, training camp or preseason or whatever. So yep. um, uh, good, good balance there all around. Yeah. Uh, okay. Real quick. Mr. Katapka just wants to know quick in the chat. Uh, will live film breakdown return for the preseason? Yeah. We'll bring back chalk talk stuff. Yeah. That'll right. be there for sure. I think that's a really fun aspect of what we do and unique and nobody else really does it. So uh, yeah, we'll be back with that for sure. And we'll continue to do these on Thursday as time permits. Yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be back next week. We'll, we might both be uh, talking bubbles next week. We'll see how that goes. Um, and uh, we I look hope forward. Not. I paid no, too much yeah. for this camera, man. It's got to work. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll be the bubble next week. You can be the the person. There we go. We'll switch off. Uh, thank right. you so much for joining us, everyone. Thanks, Jake, for being with me. Um, and uh, we will be back, as Jake said, next Thursday night and every Thursday night for the summer, probably, unless. Uh, you know, we're on vacation or something, but please feel free to send chat, uh, sorry, questions to either of us, uh, on Twitter or in, uh, ask the insiders, uh, you know, a message in a bottle, shout it into the sky, whatever you want to do to get us a question, hit us up and, uh, we will be back next week for another edition of ask the OBR. Thanks guys.